Oh my gosh, you've missed us, haven't you? Well, there's good news. After much anticipation and a little summer vacation, we are back with brand new episodes of Brand Therapy. And not only is it new episodes, but we have a new website. That's true. New website, new brand. It's been a little summer of like TLC for us, hasn't it, Lauren? Yeah, like HGTV, but our version. Exactly. Fret not. We know you've missed us. We're back. New episodes, better than ever. And actually a few other exciting things as well. Yep, every episode now is going to have dedicated blog posts summarizing the episode and additional blog posts with more research on whatever topic our guests were wanting to explore. (laughs) That was supposed to sound cool. You did not make that sound cool. Did I not? Oh my God. (laughs) Why wasn't it cool? I think it's cool. No, you just said it wasn't cool. What's not cool about organization and a content (laughs) calendar? Before we scare them off, we should get to this new episode. It is. We should get to this episode before we scare anyone off. Before you scare anyone off. Oh my goodness. Let's do it. We all know that I'm the underdog on this podcast that everyone's rooting for as I stumble through every episode. So I hope you all loved my blog announcement. We're happy you're back right here on Brand Therapy. Let's get to it. Let's do it. A key inspiration for me is instilling confidence in women and helping them feel really great in the shapes that they are. Brand Therapy! That's this podcast. You picked a good one to listen to. I'm Phil. And I'm Lauren. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our podcast where we tackle challenges. Branding challenges, business challenges, they're one and the same. We use those words interchangeably because it's all the same. And sometimes a dialogue, a conversation around some of these things you're thinking about is helpful. And so we have those conversations, but we let you listen to them because if they're helpful for the person we're talking to, they might be helpful for you. Bill. So yes, we're we're glad you're here. I just came up with something. Tell me. I just came up with a tagline. You said that you use the words brand and business interchangeably. I do. I did say that. Brand therapy where your brand is our business. Ooh. <laughs> Should we get a local TV commercial too? Where, yeah, and I'll do the jingle. <laughs> brand therapy, where your brand is our business. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about today? We are Dara. talking about Dara. Yeah, Dara in the UK. Lovely British accent. This is a, she's got a cool job. She's a tailor. We've never talked to a tailor before. And like a savvy tailor too. Like yeah. With a modern website, a really cool like understanding of her value. But what she's having trouble with is putting it all into a sentence where we call in this case a positioning statement. So that kind of folds in her mission, her purpose, the value that she gives others. We help her figure that out today. Yeah, and I think that people will learn that similar to what we've seen in other episodes, really the best positioning statements come straight from you. Honestly, it's always like like you an expert cannot 
truly replace the value of something that you're naturally saying yourself, an expert can really kind of coach you and ask the questions for you to arrive at that point. Mm-hmm. So as much as we're talking and asking questions, we are listening in this episode for those little nuggets of gold, which is what we do on every call with clients. Because usually it's in conversation with a stranger, right? That you, maybe not a stranger, but someone you're not as familiar with, where you say in just a few words, very eloquently and conversationally, the value. Rather, you know, the, the opposite of that is sitting in front of a Microsoft Word document, staring at your screen, empty, right? Because that's how I am if I have to sit and write something. But if, if I'm talking, I never have a problem with that. Yep, it's true. All right, shall so we get to it? Let's do it. Let's, here's shall our episode. Zipper let's, on over to this. Zipper. Oh my God. <laughs> let's button up this conversation, oh, Phil. Oh my God, make it stop. Okay, here's <laughs> our conversation with Dara. Hi, my name is Dara and I'm a men's tailor and dressmaker. And my question is around developing a really clear brand statement and identity. So there's quite a few strands to what I do. I um, provide bespoke tailoring, but I also do some bridal wear and I have accessories. So I have leather clutch bags and I've just launched a range of silk scarves, which are all around the idea of um, empowering women and inspiring confidence. And it's really hard for me to kind of see how it all fits into one sort of overarching brand theme. Of course it is. So I think, yeah, that, that's, my, that's my main challenge is kind of getting some clarity around that. Of course it is hard because you are the brand. It's hard for everyone when you are the brand and you're so close to it because it's literally you. It's one thing to say it's close to you if it's a product because it's something that you've designed or patented or packaged or created, right? But then when we're talking about a personal brand, a service, you, it's literally you. No wonder you have difficulty with this because you are it. It's almost like when you hear someone say, other people hear your voice differently to how you hear your own voice because of how it resonates in your body, you know? It's yeah, the, yeah, yeah, it's the right. same <laughs> idea. So guess what? But you have us on the phone and you're in brand therapy. So you're going to get some therapy today. Yay! <laughs> I definitely need it. I guess um, to start off, it would be helpful to know how you're currently making money with your business and how, like, are people coming to you for tailoring primarily or for, you know, creating wedding dresses? How does that work? So I'd say primarily people come to me for tailoring now, which is great. And I think it's kind of come off me creating more content and blogs around that topic. But it is a bit seasonal as well. So I think sometimes over the summer months, I'll get more inquiries for bridal. But yes, I would say that tailoring is my main business. But I do also sort of sell clutch bags. It's more a sideline, but I do enjoy that too. And that's a kind of steady, small income for me as well. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and the people who are buying the clutch bags, are they generally existing clients that are kind of like find out about the bags and then buy them? Or is it a completely different audience? I'd say both. Um, it is partly a completely different audience. People who maybe don't have the money to have a bespoke garment made, they can afford a clutch bag. But then I have, you know, existing clients who like to get them as gifts for other people or, you know, just to add on to an outfit that I'm making for them. I think my biggest challenge is around, so when I do bespoke clothing, I'm kind of taking into account my clients' wishes. 
So it's a really um, personal experience. I don't have ready-made garments that they try on and I just alter to fit their shape. So it's actually, you know, a design from scratch for them. And what I'd like to do more of, I think, as well, is just have ready-to-wear pieces which are my own designs and which people can just buy as they are. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, but it's all a bit confused. (laughs) Well, has it been challenging, like, communicating those two different endeavors, like the more custom versus pre-made by you? I think there's one element that I haven't spoken about much and which I've done a bit more now because I feel like I want to be more authentically me in my business and in my brand. And so I think a key inspiration for me is instilling confidence in women and helping them feel really great in the shapes that they are. And so there's a real strong kind of feminist background, I think, to my... Now we're getting somewhere. This is interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Yeah, so when I studied fashion at university, my whole graduate collection was inspired by feminist artists and their artworks and the vagina monologues don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that play, which is really powerful. So it was all kind of inspired by those things. But my style is quite timeless and elegant. So it's kind of, it's quite subversive, I think, the way I bring it into my designs. It's quite subtle, but it's there as a thread running through it all. And what I've just launched is um, a range of silk scarves. And they're printed with 20 quotes by women in the past. And my idea around that is, you know, that you have this scarf you can wear and you feel inspired by these women from history and you feel connected to other women who also wear this scarf and you're also kind of inspiring the next generation of girls. And so there's one quote that is from um, my daughter. She's seven years old and she wrote her own quote to add into the mix, (laughs) which is really sweet. It's adorable. Yeah, so it's kind of bringing in that whole idea of women's empowerment. Yes, and, and confidence. And I kind of want to bring that through into my designs. So not just as the scarves, but I'm having these quotes. I have had them printed as a lining. So when I make a jacket or a dress, I can add that in as a lining. So it's a little bit like wearing a statement T-shirt, except it's not that visible. It's just there for yourself. So I kind of have a hashtag around this, which is wearable confidence. Oh, that's so cute. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) But it's kind of how do I communicate all of that I don't know with bespoke tailoring as well I find the term tricky because bespoke is really associated with menswear and Savile Row and I kind of what I'm trying to do is position myself as quite different to that and I think I have managed to do it because the clients that come to me I think they like the fact that I'm not a kind of traditional tailoring house with everything that that means you know I I would I wouldn't make hunting jackets or that kind of thing I'd I wouldn't even know where to start, really. <laughs> it's just not part of my world, I think. So I, I kind of think of my tailoring as contemporary, but timeless, sort of minimalist, clean lines. Yeah. So sort of modern tailoring for Great. amazing uh, women. Now, <laughs> see, around I know cool. it feels Things. like I'm in this. You're like this quietest I've ever heard, Phil. But this is part of our job is to let you discover this. And part of how you discover it is in a, is in conversation with people like us, not because we're brand strategists, but because we're listening and we're strangers. So you kind of have to start from the beginning to explain who you are and why people should care. That's a challenging thing to do if you're sitting in front of your computer staring at a Word document, trying to put it into words where you can put on your website. Yeah. But in conversation like this with someone that's not that familiar, if 
you can listen to yourself or record the conversation and have someone else listen without interrupting. See how these ideas, wearable confidence, what was the one that you just said? I have to listen back to the recording. Modern tailoring for amazing women. There you go. Lauren Moore was listening. Um, <laughs> these are very interesting conversational tidbits that could very well live in your brand sentence. Do you have a way now that you sum up all this in one sentence or no? I've tried with different ones. So one brand sentence I had was, I create perfectly fitting clothes for women in business and beyond. But it feels a bit, mm, I don't know, not that exciting. Yeah, I try to avoid the word beyond from brand sentences because it reminds me of Toy Story to infinity and beyond. <laughs> I don't know what, that's my own personal like weirdness. I think, I do think we yeah, can yeah, come sure. up with something better. And you know what I'm going to do because I do it every episode when we work on brand sentences. Pass it like a hot potato to Lauren Moore, the wordsmith genius. <laughs> She's very good at this though. <laughs> Thank you. Oh gosh. Well, there are a few things that you said that are amazing. Well, first of all, modern tailoring for amazing women. I think women, I think that's, fantastic and not many tailors would embrace that or be that bold um, in their perspective. And the other idea, the other tagline that you came up with of wearable confidence is just so cool. I mean, every woman, I don't know if this is the same case for men, Phil, you tell me, but every woman is told that their secret weapon for feeling good is a good tailor. At least I've been hearing this for like years. Have you heard that? I've Phil? heard it. You have. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so I think the angle of you being a tailor for women is a really good place to be in just because it's an area that you can rock. So what I've got so far for your brand sentence that we can workshop together is I'm a tailor who creates wearable confidence through custom pieces and pre-designed lines. It's modern tailoring for amazing women. Oh, I like that. That's really great. I like it too. Yeah. I like it too. And if you ever have to shorten it, well, you can take those two sentences and they can live on their own as well, depending on how you're using them. Yeah. Modern tailoring for amazing women. I mean, that could be live on the homepage of a website. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. really great. Yeah. There's also something interesting about you as part of this brand, obviously, because it's you, but you have a real kind of sophistication and how you speak and how you also speak about your craft and your work and what is what is a passion for you, right? Being a feminist or women's rights or being an advocate in that kind of way. It's there's a real kind of efficiency in your delivery that I like. That's the kind of sophistication and efficiency that I want in a tailor, right? Like those are the kinds of qualities you want in someone that has this responsibility. So you are a very important part of this brand because you represent some of those idealistic qualities of your craft. I also just wanted to mention that. That's something I've been thinking about in this convo. Yeah, I have a personal experience too with tailoring. Like it can be, at least as a woman, it can be a pretty uncomfortable experience. I remember one time I went to this tailor and she was like, I, I, to get something taken in. And she's like, oh, you must have lost weight. You look good. And I'm kind of like, can you please not talk about my body like that? Like, can you just make the clothes fit fit my shape now? Yeah, yeah because I've, I've just written a blog actually about a compliment we need to stop making, which is 
you look amazing today. You know, you look amazing. Have you lost weight? And I've heard that so many times. And I just think, can't we just make a compliment without referencing somebody's weight? Yeah. Yeah. Especially while someone's like really close to your body and like adding pins and stuff. It's just, it's very uncomfortable. So I would personally, I mean, if I lived close to you, you would have a client um, and we didn't have an ocean between us. But, but if I found that there was a tailor who's like specifically worked with women, I would probably like seek, I would probably only go to them, I think. Yeah. And I think some women have come to me exactly for that reason, because they don't feel comfortable having fittings, you know, with men, you know, maybe just for personal reasons, and they just prefer coming to a woman. And also because I specialize in women's wear. So I think there's quite a few tailors, but they do men's and women's wear. And I think it's quite nice knowing that you're that you're working with someone who just does the one area. It's another instance where you saying, expressing your specific market, that narrative towards that targeted audience, which in this landscape is a gender, right? Focusing on servicing women, it doesn't mean that you won't get men as clients, but you're more likely to get more clients by saying, I specialize in tailoring for women. Men would then be a secondary market. You'll get more clients with that specificity than you would to say I'm a tailor because that's trying to appeal to everyone and no one identifies himself in that statement. It's like, okay, it's not enough for me to go, that's exactly what I need. When you're, when you're positioning yourself and, and putting what you do into words, you want your ideal audience to be specific so that that specific person sees you and goes, oh my God, this is what I need. If it's too general, then you're among the people that are close to me in proximity. If I'm just looking for a tailor, then I'm going to walk down the street. I'm not going to find someone's website. You know, it's that, and that's not your customer. Your customer is someone who cares about details, who wants that kind of, I don't know, that kind of focus and level of detail and attention. And it's unique. Yeah. And the personal experience, I think. I kind of have a, a motto, which is there is no perfect size, there's only the perfect fit. Oh, Dora, <laughs> you're so great. <laughs> I love that. I love that too. And it works really for the bespoke. I think. Again, I kind of struggle. Like if I offer some ready-to-wear pieces, then it's not going to be the perfect fit for everyone. It just can't be because I have to set a size for it. That's fine. So I don't know if I can kind of use that or do I just use that for the bespoke element? But I, I do like it. We're going to change your brand sentence. You're saying too many good things. <laughs> it's going to... It's. Well, <laughs> so I think... Yeah, don't you I, think I do. So? And, I, and I think that's a very specific detail that only you're going to notice. That's like me looking at our portfolio going, oh, I need to change the color of this thing in the background because it's driving me nuts. doesn't match with this other color. But like, no, no. That's the kind of level of detail that you'll notice as the creator. But the fact that you're saying it, it's more what it represents, your perspective, than it represents the literal functioning of, of ready, ready to wear. So I think the message is more important than the potential for confusion with that literal functioning, if that makes sense. So I think you're fine. Yeah, it does. Because I guess what I mean by that is that women are perfect the way they are. You know, we don't have to change ourselves. We don't have to lose weight before we can have something made. Or, But I think the high street often makes us feel that way, that we have to be different before we can fit in. So I think to me, it, it is a literal sense that I want things to fit you really well. But I also just want women to feel like they fit in, you know, into society, whatever. Yeah. So it sort of has a double meaning, I guess. Yes. 
Yes. And I think for for the brand sentence, or if you're going to put this on your social channels or introduce yourself, it's modern tailoring and ready-to-made pieces exclusively for women. There's no perfect size. There's only the perfect fit. Yeah, that sounds really great. I mean, it's straight from your mouth. You've been, you've been, <laughs> these are all gems straight coming straight right from you. <laughs> oh, thank you. But it's kind of just wrapping it all up into, you know, one or two neat sentences. I can go around in circles <laughs> talking about these things. And the circles are good, though. You should go around in circles, but then you have to take that second step to take to extract the juicy gold from those circles. You know what I mean? Like you've got to have a way to take inventory of those conversational nuggets and then figure out what to do with them. It could be notes on your iPhone. It could be it could just be using an app like Rev, which records your voice gets it transcribed, dollar a minute. It could be a, a, a channel to yourself in Slack, or maybe you create a Slack channel called Caption Ideas or something like that. But just make sure you do something in these moments of reflection on what's important to you, not just what you do, but what your perspective is, what your opinion is. If there's a news story out today and you react to it, then you need to record that reaction in some way so that it, it, shares your perspective with your audience. Really important. It feels... Yeah, that's really Well, yeah, true. it feels kind of like you're broadcasting an unnecessary racket, but actually you're not. You're just recreating the in-person experience. If you and I got coffee today, you would be like, you might say, I don't know if you saw this, but there's this news story this morning and I can't believe that, right? Any kind of moment that that happens, think about how you can make that same moment happen online. It's just kind of a, it's just a system you build. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, because I think I overthink what to post on social media. And I think it, I need to just treat it more as a conversation, like you're saying, and just thoughts and opinions that I have. And that's kind of my focus for this year. Or I've set myself this goal to be more authentic and to share more what I think about, you know, yeah, the news and what I see going on around me. Because I think I've been hiding away with that. It's kind of scary to show up as yourself and invite criticism possibly and especially around women's rights, you know, <laughs> kind of feel scary to stick your neck up and there'd be so many people who can just troll you when you do that. But I feel like I need to... Have you had any criticism or haters? No, because I haven't done that much yet. So it's probably more the fear than the actual thing happening. Yeah, and I think also... Still valid, still valid. Yeah. I think online is quite a scary space for women. You know, on Twitter, there's so many stories of women who just get taken down, you know, and get all kinds of threats and whatever. So I guess, you know, how far do you go talking about things that you care about? And, but, you know, to be fair, I don't have a big following. (laughs) So it's not like I'm going to invite that many people's comments. Yeah, but I do feel like I want to do it because it is important. And, you know, I, I want to be myself. Otherwise, it's just too exhausting trying to put up a kind of corporate front Yeah, I think you're on the right track. To me, well, I mean, this is maybe ironic, but I I think this comes down to a confidence issue for you. You're in a really great place. You know what you represent. You know where you want your business to be. And now I think it's just a matter of of really rocking it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) I just need to own it and yeah, talk about what I do. It's so cool. I'm looking at your blog post right now with the analysis of Meghan Markle's wedding dress. And it's just so refreshing because everyone was like ripping it apart. 
at least from what I was seeing online, people are so quick to criticize, but you just have such a positive outlook and really look at and considered all of the little details. And it's just so refreshing. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed writing that. I thought the dress was stunning. Um, and it too. really felt fresh and modern. Yeah. 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 I had friends actually ring me up and say, oh my God, that just looks like you could have designed it. And it's just really your style. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's such a compliment. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I guess to, to wrap things up, how are you feeling? What are you going to do next? Yeah, great. I think, you know, you really nailed it down for me with the with the brown sentence. Yeah, it feels like I'm just overthinking stuff. I kind of need to just settle into what it is I what I'm already doing and just do more of it, speak more about what I think about. Yeah, and I like the idea of just recording myself maybe with thoughts and so on and then listening back. I think that's a great tip. Um yeah, to sort of help me distill my own thoughts. I think it's confidence and it's not just confidence in your brand or the positioning of your business, it's the confidence that you are legitimate as a content creator or someone that's worthy of putting a message out there for others to respond to. I actually think you'll be pleasantly surprised by the response you get. And also know that even people who are confident, like me, when it comes to content creation, I still post-publish on Facebook and I'm like, oh, and I stare at it for the first 10 minutes it's live and I'm like, oh, how many likes does it have? Who's paying attention? Does this matter? Should I delete it? Right? Like, I think we all go through that. Yeah. And I, that never really goes away. If anything, use that for positive in that you can, it does add that extra layer of thought in terms of editing it to make sure it's a way that people can understand or a way that people will pay attention to it. You shouldn't question yourself whether or not you're worthy of posting it and borrowing people's time and attention. It's more just how can you position this in a way that will improve people's day or make them react or make them think. And you are so the type of person to be able to do that. So I think it's just not being too in your head on taking that step to get it out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Exciting. It is exciting. Hopefully you feel, hopefully you feel clear and you feel confident yeah, after I do. this conversation. Yeah. Good. It's great. Thank Good. You well, so we're much. excited to... to we're excited to see more of you online. How about that? We're excited to see some posts. You're going to get super liked next time I see you on Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever you decide is a platform of priority for you. And and I hope that this um, this inspires you to take that leap forward. I think it will. And you've got a really great brand and you've got really great sound bites. So just find a way to acquire them, jot them down, get them down and use them for Instagram captions, for lines of copy on your website, blog post ideas, etc. Yeah, I'll do that. Great. Thank you so and much. I can promise you that the next time I come to the UK, I'll bring an extra suitcase full of stuff I need tailored and then come see you. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. I'd love to see you. Yeah. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> great. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. The internet is your oyster, Dara, and we will chat with you very soon. Let us know how it all goes. I will. Yeah, great. Have a wonderful weekend and thank you. There was a lot happening in that conversation, don't you think? Definitely. I knew from the beginning when she said, I'm trying to figure out a lot of things. I knew she was close to the brand because the brand is her, just as I said. And I think just having someone not 
super familiar, not a family member, not a best friend. They already know you too well. But someone who doesn't know you that well, just listen. It was hard for me. I wanted to interrupt because I was excited to share ideas with her. But you notice how there were just spaces after what she would say. And then she'd add more thoughts. She was thinking about it. And then she'd add a little more. And it was in those after, after, after thoughts where you actually extracted some of the best, some of the most valuable keywords for that sentence. Yeah. Isn't that what like Barbara Walters does when she interviews people? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. But it, 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 if she, that's what she does, then I guess yeah. we're we're on to something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess. And, and you do this too, actually. You've told me to be comfortable with silence because often when you ask someone a question, it's it's what they use as filler later where you get to the good stuff. But I think when it comes to clarifying a brand message, what do you find helps? Focus, prioritizing the important considerations, mainly being number one, who is your audience? That is more important than anything about you, like a preference, right? Who is your audience? Who's buying? We need to be crystal clear on what it is they need, not just want, what it is they need so that you can provide that solution to the problem that they have. And the way that you provide it is unique, but it's not more important than the solution. So I think it's being crystal clear on who your audience is which in itself is a big question and often a daunting one. But I think at some point, you kind of just got to make a decision. Yeah, and like drill down until you've maximized that audience. Completely, because it increases the likelihood that that niche or that specific person that you've outlined, when they find you, what you offer really resonates. And that's that magic moment. Yeah, because to me, selling a product and selling a service are two completely different endeavors and would be really challenging. It would be hard to do both at 100% because they're not quite related. But for Dara, I think if she's trying to sell her products to existing tailoring clients, that would make things a lot easier for her. And it would just make her, her the way that she presents her brand a lot more streamlined. 100%. I agree with that. Great. And then I guess we should talk a little bit about how to write a tagline because she had so many nuggets of wisdom there. So what's your advice? Oh, God, this is your department. You answer that question first. I don't write taglines. <laughs> if I do write taglines, it's because I'm listening. It's not some big fancy idea that I've concocted in my head on my own. Usually, I'm just listening. I used to be a terrible listener, terrible listener. And I've made a very conscious effort in this career to improve my listening skills and to listen when people talk and, and, and active listening skills, it is essential. So when we're writing taglines, you'd, you'd agree. I mean, you're, you're more of the writer on this team. But by the way, someone in their review on our podcast called us a couple. Like, this couple <laughs> is entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we could respond on those. Not a couple. We're a team. I know. But I think we listen <laughs> and then you craft something from something they say, right? Yeah. I try to ask questions that are a bit that would elicit an emotional response. So like, what challenge are you facing right now? What do you wish you could change about the world? How do you make money? Like those types of questions can't be answered with a yes or no. And they they have they get some sort of passion out of the client. And I also find listening really, really helps. And even listening to yourself, it's kind of like with Marie Kondo, like, you hold the item and you 
you only keep what sparks joy. I kind of listen to the words that they're saying. And if something like gives me a like tingling feeling, then I know that has to stay. And Dara was full of them. I love that you just referenced Marie Kondo. (laughs) Well, it's true, though. Didn't you find like when when she said that like wearable confidence, I was like, oh, that's that's staying. And when she said modern tailoring for amazing women, I was like, yep, that's got to stay, too. But the in-between sentences don't matter as much. It's just those like nuggets that we got to find. 100%. Well, I'm sure not everyone listening is a tailor. But I'm sure everyone listening likely has a brand or they're involved in the building or repositioning or evolving of some kind of brand. So hopefully this episode was useful for you, gave you some questions to ask yourself as you're trying to make some decisions, some important decisions on crafting that first impression. Let us know what you think or what it has you thinking about. I'm at Phil Palin. And I'm at the Lauren Moore. Hashtag brand therapy is where we can continue the conversation you enjoyed this episode, we'd love if you take just a few extra seconds to leave us a review. Shout out to recent people who've left us a review. Louise, Pilates Louise, I see you. Thank you for doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, if you leave a review, five stars preferably, you know, that actually helps other people discover this podcast that we work very hard to make for you. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us for a few minutes today. We'll see you back on another episode. New week, new episode. We'll be back with Brand Therapy. Until then, have a great day. See you next time. See ya. Here's what's coming next week. So I think it's taking a step back again and saying, right, well, what budget have I got out of my revenue? How much do I want to put to my marketing? And what part does Facebook ads have to play in that?